Hey, let me remind you this morning that our warehouse worship kids will stay in here and just our preschoolers will be dismissed to Children's Church. There is a point in every great drama story that uh, regardless of what the plot is, that, you know, the plot has developed in the storyline and there's, in every great drama, there's, there's some kind of conflict or problem that's being worked through. And there comes a point in every great drama or story where you get this sense that we've come to the end, that the storyline has played out and uh, you think, well, that's the end. Now, here's, here's a little secret. If you're, if you're Daryl Smith, you, when you go to the movie, you know that the movie is an hour and 45 minutes, Brother Cody. When this point comes at an hour 15, you go, wait a second. I think there's something more. But it, it appears from the storyline that that's it. It's over. Now, uh, oh, I shouldn't even admit this chick flicks let's just be honest some of you guys get to go to guy films the first lady does not let me go to guy films nobody gets killed in the stories that we go to see at the theater there's kissing and stuff like that and people fall in love but not many people being blown up I know it's pitiful but you know this is this is of all the chick flicks I've seen and I don't want to name them I don't want to ask somebody to ask for my man card at the end of the service but you know, in a chick flick, it's the guy and the girl, and there's some strange circumstance they're in, and they probably aren't meant for each other, but all of a sudden, you know, they fall in love, and the, the plot goes on. And then invariably what happens in the chick flicks at an hour and 15 minutes is there's some circumstance that's just going to separate them. He, he has a job in New York City, and he has to decide between her and the job in New York City Clay, are you feeling me here? You're, you've been to this, haven't you? Anyhow, I'll, I'll, we'll talk later. Uh, and he, he walks out. You know, it's, it's over. And you see him in the taxi going to the airport. And uh, the next scene cuts away and you see a plane taking off. Well, I guess that's it. It's It's over. And I would say you're at that point in the movie, even though it's an hour 15, you go, it's, I don't know, I guess it's one of those depressing chick flicks where they just don't get together. And uh, now guys, the guys shows, I've never seen any of them since Rambo, but uh, I mean, it's been the 1970s since I've been to really a guy thing, you know, but uh, I'm not asking you to invite me to the movies. No, that's, that's weird. So anyhow, okay. But you know, there's this, there's some, there's this plot line in any great guy's movie, and there's the hero in the movie, and there's this conflict, there's the forces of evil that he's fighting against, and at some point in the movie, at about an hour and 15, there's an explosion, and he's in the middle of that explosion, and you're just going, I guess Rambo dies in this movie, you know, it's, it's, it's over. That's the point I'm talking about, and, 
in many respects, last Sunday I brought you to that point in the greatest story ever told, the story of redemption in the Bible. And last Sunday we came to Friday. And you know, the last week of Jesus' ministry is the climax of the climax of, of the story. It is, it is the cross and his death. And we talked about last Sunday, the, it wasn't just a moment of death, it was a day of dying and suffering. And, but you come to that moment in the storyline of the greatest story ever told, and you come to Friday afternoon when Jesus dies. And Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus take his body and they wrap it in linen cloth and the woman the women Mary Magdalene some others come and they watch and they they take him to a, a tomb that is nearby that is in a garden and I, I can we show a picture Ian uh, of the garden tomb um, and you know there's two sites when you visit the Holy Lands that they say this could be the tomb or a possible tomb where Jesus was placed and uh, the one is in a great cathedral and I don't know whatever but then they took us to the garden tomb it is in actually in a garden and that's that's not the stone that is a stone but represents the stone that would have been rolled over the grave and um, you can't really see the channel in this picture but there's a channel where that rock would have said and on that Friday afternoon as the sun was going down uh, Jesus body was placed in that tomb on a ledge uh, wrapped in linen cloth they didn't have time to fully anoint it with the spices and uh, it's really the next day but but guards are posted and the sun goes down and I, I want you to understand it's it's that point in the storyline that if you haven't heard the story before if you're living that story in that moment you go I guess that's it that's the end the story is played out it's I don't know the Sun goes down on Friday and there's still that sense of it's over I want you to think about it. there was nobody in the original story that thought the unexpected was gonna happen that day the next day Sunday you, re you read the gospel accounts not not the disciples They were just thinking inside themselves, it's, it's over, that was the end. The story is played out. I, I don't even know what that's about. The Romans didn't expect anything. The Jewish people didn't expect anything. It was over. And I, I, I think sometimes when we've read the rest of the story that we forget this moment in time. Of from sundown Sunday I'm sorry from sundown Friday evening through the Sabbath day Saturday till the Sun came up Sunday morning just this 
since. I guess it's over. That's the end of the story. Well, you know in the chick flicks what happens at this point. She's, it shifts, the plane leaves. Then it flashes to her apartment and she's cleaning or cooking. She's doing something. You know what happens? The doorbell rings. I'm sorry. My wife's starting to cry. You thought I was getting this out for me? No. Here you go, honey. Oh, Daryl, he came back. So beautiful. They're in love. He gave up that great job in New York for her. You know, but it was, and we ought to know this. I'm sorry, this is ridiculous. <laughs> Guys, no, the explosion, the rubble, Rambo's trapped underneath. All of a sudden, here you come, he's coming out blazing, shooting, you know. No, he didn't die. He's going to kill the bad guys. The other movie I saw years ago, Indiana Jones. There's about 12 of these scenes in Indiana Jones. All of a sudden, he's like hanging on the, the airplane wing. You know, you know, he's on the back of a horse, you know, going across the mountain. Thought, you thought he, I thought he was dead. He's back. The Bible, in, in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, the last chapter when you nobody thought there was another chapter and I've just picked Matthew this is what it says because there is this unexpected turn of events in any great drama and it says in Matthew 28 now after the Sabbath as the first day of the week began to dawn Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat on it. His countenance was like lightning and his clothing as white as snow. And the guards shook for fear of him and became like dead men. But the angel answered and said to the women, Do not be afraid. For I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he is risen. As he said, come see the place where the Lord lay. And go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead. And indeed, he is going before you into Galilee. There you will see him. Behold, I have told you. So they went out quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to bring his disciples' word. And as they, specifically Mary Magdalene, went to tell his disciples, behold, Jesus met them, saying, Rejoice. So they came and held him by the feet and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell his, my brethren to go to Galilee, and there they will see me. Now while they were going, behold, some of the guard came into the city and reported to the chief priest all the things that had happened. When they had assembled with the elders and consulted together, they gave a large sum of money to the soldiers, saying, Tell them his disciples came at night and stole him away while we slept. And if this comes to the governor's ears, 
we will appease him and make you secure so they took the money and did as they were instructed and this saying is commonly reported among the Jews until this day then the eleven disciples went away into Galilee to the mountain which Jesus had appointed for them when they saw him they worshiped him but some doubted that is the unexpected turn of events in the greatest story ever told it's something that the uh, the disciples did not expect they didn't see it coming but it is the unexpected turn of events that changes everything I want you to understand that the resurrection of Jesus is the unexpected turn of events in the story of redemption there is more to the story at the point when you say it's over there's nothing more there is something that happens the resurrection specifically and it changes everything and without it the story is incomplete but nobody was expecting it the four Gospels Matthew Mark Luke and John all give witness to the resurrection Matthew Mark and Luke all included in their last one chapter the way the last chapter starts John I believe has two chapters at the very end because he has a story he has to tell and they give us in that part of the story the unexpected turn of event two validations to the resurrection to prove that it was not a fantasy but it was based upon fact and that there is physical evidence to support that even though this sounds so bizarre and it was so unexpected that it was so true in fact it changed everything the two things that are the validation to the resurrection of Jesus Christ are the empty tomb and the appearance appearances of Jesus if we first take the empty tomb in fact you can see this your, your handout at the end of your pews if you have one of those it's going to give us these not only I'm going to include the scriptural accounts of Jesus resurrection and you can see those uh, but if you look at your sheet the first validation to the resurrection of Jesus is the witnesses of the empty tomb the interesting one to me are the guards it doesn't specifically say but the earthquake comes they pass out when they wake up you know what they do when they see the stone rolled away it's at least implied in the story they go to look inside and the body is not there they don't encounter angels or anything else and then they they hit it it's like oh my we had one job to watch a dead man and we couldn't even do that the guard you know the 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 thing is is uh, the interesting part to this and you've heard this all your life if you've been in church is the reason the stone was rolled away was not for Jesus to get out it was for witnesses to go in and to be one of the validations to go no he's not here it's one thing for Jesus to appear and the stone still across the the door and you go hmm what if there's a body in there what this is what's going on no the earthquake the angel whoever rolled the stone away rolls it away so that people can go in first with the guards you know how strange if you think about it their story is tell them that you were asleep and the disciples came and stole the body all right it's not logical 
because if you were asleep, you didn't see the disciples steal the body. Okay, it's like, hmm? Well, if you think about that, that's... No, no, we were asleep the whole time. That big rock was rolled away, and those guys scurried in and brought it out. And no, but you didn't see them because you were asleep. How do you know it was his disciples? But that was the story. Uh, we know that Mary Magdalene and uh, the others, women that are listed there and from different gospel accounts, and we know the story from, from Luke and in John that Peter and John run and they are witnesses to the empty tomb. So, uh, well, there it is. This is the garden tomb and there's a ledge. It's a pretty moving experience to go and we don't know that this is the location, but it is, it is a possibility a distinct possibility because there is a garden there and it is outside the city walls as w was re reported. Um, the second validation to prove the reality of the resurrection of Jesus were his post-resurrection appearances and I listed them there. I had to go through the gospel accounts and you can see that. He appears, he physically appears to Mary Magdalene on that first Sunday morning uh, this is alluded to in some of the other accounts. Simon Peter on that first Sunday, the two who were walking on the road to Emmaus that first Sunday afternoon. He appeared to the ten, which was all the disciples minus Judas and Thomas on the first Sunday evening in the upper room. A week later on that next Sunday, he appears to the ten plus Thomas, the eleven, on the second Sunday. Uh, we know that he appears to the seven on the Sea of Galilee. Uh, oh, I've got to tell this story. Uh, we have a picture of the Sea of Galilee, maybe one. There is this location. Uh, oh, my, I don't really have time for this this morning. Uh, this is the spot from Luke 5 where Jesus, it's the story of encountering Peter, and Peter's pulled his boat up there as a fisherman before he starts following Jesus. And Jesus teaches, and when he gets through teaching from the boat, uh, he tells Peter to, to go out and cast his net. It's like, we've already done that, didn't catch anything, do it. And he gets this great catch of fish. You remember that story? And he comes and he falls down. Luke's account, he chooses to follow Jesus that day. Uh, when he told them to meet in Galilee, they go back fishing, according to, to John chapter 21. And they're out fishing. And they haven't caught anything. And uh, it's about daylight. And it's probably a little bit hazy. And there's a voice that comes from the shore. You boys catch anything? No. Cast your net on the other side of the boat. What? Wait a second. This is like deja vu all over again. Three years earlier. Great catch of fish, 153. It says in John 21. And Peter says, it is the Lord. They're maybe about 100 yards off the shore. Peter doesn't have time to row into shore. He jumps in, regardless of what the song says about Peter, roll your boat ashore. He jumped in the water. I don't even know where that came from. And when they get to the shore, according to tradition, on these rocks, Jesus has the fire and, and breakfast made. And Jesus has this conversation with Peter, do you love me? Then feed my sheep. Three rounds of that. Uh, I'm sorry. Yeah, that's, that's 
Jesus' appearance to the seven at the Sea of Galilee. Uh, Paul refers to 500 of the brethren, which probably happened in Galilee in this same area. He appears to James, his half-brother, and then he appears to the apostles uh, at Bethany after 40 days when he ascends to the Father, and Byron's going to preach that next Sunday, so you'll, I don't know if you'll see that, but anyhow. Uh, two validations. The empty tomb witnessed personally by a number of people Secondly, the appearances of Jesus in which he appeared. I think there's nine of them over the course of 40 days, different locations, different people. He is alive. He proved it beyond a shadow of doubt. And here's the thing. This is what I want you to get this morning. What they observe with their eyes is the transformation of Jesus. It was not just that Jesus had been brought back to life, but Jesus' body had been transformed into his heavenly body that could pass through walls and do things that normal people couldn't do. He had been exalted. To be resurrected, in Jesus' case, was more than being brought back from the dead. His body was transformed into a heavenly body so that he lifted to the Father uh, seamlessly. To begin his reign at the right hand of the Father in heaven. Because what they saw was a transformed Jesus. Hmm. And here's the point. Without the resurrection, the work of redemption is only half done. Without the resurrection, the work of redemption is only half done. There were two works that God did to redeem us. And the first was the cross in which Jesus dies for our sin and it takes away our sins. And many times as Christians, we stop at the cross. And we say, God has made me right with him, and rightfully so, because God at the cross, when I came by faith and I looked to Jesus and I said, there's no other way for my sins to be forgiven except through the shed blood of Jesus, and I trusted by faith in his, in his shed blood, the payment for my sin, and our sins were taken away. Sometimes I'm afraid we get the sense that's all that God did, but it's not true. Because the other component to redemption, what God did, was the resurrection. It completes it. It's the other half. It's about the transformation of Jesus. And get this. What it speaks to is what God wants to do in our life after our sins have been washed away. He wants to transform us just like he transformed Jesus. Christians, don't miss that. The work of redemption is the cross and the resurrection. The cross is about the past that takes away our sin. This is an oversimplification. 
but the cross is about the past that it takes away our sins and the resurrection is about the future that Jesus changes us or transforms us both are a part of God's redemption and you know why because it wasn't just that we were guilty before God but we suffered with the effects of sin in our life all around us in fact think about what happened Oh my, Genesis 1, that first Sunday in, in January of this year. Uh, it's actually the second Sunday of January. God makes us to have a perfect relationship with him, but it's in Genesis 3, the first man and woman, just like we would do after them as their lineage they chose to run their own life and rebel against God and they were separated from God they were guilty in God's reckoning in your account no you are guilty because of your sin there must be a payment for that sin but that's not all that happened there were effects to sin they relationships not just with God but with one another were broken and they were cast out of the garden. And y'all, 6,000 years later, we still live in a world that is broken by sin. We live in a fallen world. It's not just that we're guilty before God. It's that we live in a, in a world that is messed up because of that sin. There is an effect to sin. I want you to get this in your brain today. That yes, the cross pays for the guilt of our sin but the resurrection is the power of God that says I want to transform the effects of sin in your fallen world to make you who you ought to be to restore you who I wanted you to be and that continuum from the day we get saved to glory is this continuum of us being made in the image of Christ and someday what the scripture says is someday when we get to glory when we pass as Jesus passed and we stand before him what the scripture says is we will be like him for we will see him as he is the transformation someday amen will be complete because we will be like him God's work of redemption is not just to take away our sin, but it's to take away the effects of sin. And that's what the resurrection is about, that our God has the power to take that which is dead and transform it into life. Amen? That applies to any situation in your life. That's hope. That if God can do that, God can take whatever happens in my life and he can transform it. And so I would say to you today, there's two places you have to go to by faith. Yes, you have to come to the cross and you have to kneel. And by faith you have to say, I'm trusting in Christ work of the cross that his shed blood would take away my sins but nearby the cross is an empty tomb and for God's 
complete redemption to happen in our life, we also must visit the empty tomb and by faith say, God, now that you've taken away my sins, make me into the image of your son. Change me. Transform me. And I think sometimes maybe the gospel we've preached just says go to the cross. But that's not all that God did. He not only wants to take away our sin, but he wants to transform us into the image of his son. There is more to the story than the cross. There is the resurrection of Jesus, which is a testimony of God's power to change us. There must be transformation of life that projects all the way into eternity. And as I look at the story, I love this. <laughs> the unexpected turn of events. Nobody saw it coming. But there was, well, you got to know this because there's like this whole section at the end of the New Testament. If you're sitting here today, you go, well, there's got to be more. There's like 22 more books. What's that all about if this is the end? There's more to God's story. And there is more to your story because the resurrection is about our transformation. And what I love, what I love is the cross and the resurrection is about what God did. It's what God did. <laughs> and by faith, we trust in that to apply it to our lives. Do you understand what I'm saying? What I'm saying to you is whatever your sin may be, Jesus died for that. Amen? It doesn't matter. There is no sin that you or I have done that it is not possible for the shed blood of Jesus to cover. But you know what the resurrection teaches us? Is that whatever circumstance you find yourself in, God has the power to transform that. But just like the cross, you have to look to him and the Savior, the resurrected Lord, who is no longer in the empty tomb. He is risen. And by faith we look to him to not only forgive us of our sins, but to transform us. Amen? Amen. If you'll stand with me this morning. This morning we want to give you an opportunity to turn your life to Christ. Maybe your hopelessness today is, I have a sin. I just don't know that Jesus can forgive. The Bible says the blood of Jesus will change it, will save it, take it out of the way. You may be in a circumstances of life and say, God can't get me out of this. I really got to get my act together and get life situated before I can come to Christ. No, 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 no. He's the God who takes the dead and glorifies it into eternal life. And he can change your life 
but you have to turn to him. Brother Shane's going to lead us. Byron and I will be at the front. We invite you to come.